Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for August 30th, 2017. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the one, a Wonder Woman bonus scene, the air date of the final season of Game of Thrones, Apple's attempts to bring 4K movies to Apple TV, and a Blade Runner 2049 short film that will surely inform your viewing of that movie on today's show i am joined by ben pearson hey what's up and bradford omen hey that's me and of course this is peter soretta let's go right over to the water cooler brad you haven't been on for a little while what have you been up to uh nothing too exciting but there was one thing that i was uh, very happy to receive in the mail um as we've talked about before rather extensively i love the big sick who doesn't love the big sick? You it, don't it, love the it big is sick. the the best uh, reviewed movie of the summer. Rotten Tomatoes, according to Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Yeah. And, and deservedly so. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen the big sick, it'll be out on home video in September. So make sure you go out of your way to see it. If you didn't see it in theaters. Basically, uh, you screwed up. You have you have a second chance. Home video. Yeah, do it. Exactly. And so uh, I had a quote that was all over the marketing for this movie that I was really excited about because it was a movie that I, I absolutely adored. Um, but there was never a poster that came out that actually had my quote on it. There was, you know, TV spots and online ads and stuff. 
But if I ever have a quote that ends up on a print ad, I like to have it and frame it just to keep it for for me. Um, and there there was a big cardboard standee that was used in a TV ad where they had testimonials from a crowd who saw the movie in Chicago, um, where Kumail and uh, Emily did a Q and A afterwards. And I actually got a picture with both of them in front of the standee with them pointing at my quote on it, which was awesome. But I found out from Lionsgate that that only existed in the form of that giant standee. They never made a poster print of it. But I did find out from a friend of mine who lives in Australia that they got a poster down there that actually had my quote on it and uh, Dan Casey's quote from Nerdist from when we saw it at Sundance. And so she went to a movie theater that had it on display and asked her if she could have it when they were done with it. And they gave her an extra copy they had, and she shipped it to me. And I just got it in the mail today and framed it so I could put it up on my wall. So I'm pretty excited about that. Shipping like th- something like that from Australia must cost some serious money. It actually wasn't too bad. It only cost about 35 American dollars. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, I have not been up to much since the last time I, I, I talked to you, but I just want to mention one thing. Uh, memorizing a p- deck of 52 playing cards is extremely harder, uh, extremely hard, and a lot harder than it sounds. That's all I got to say. Uh, that's uh, a. What, what does that mean? <laughs> I, I, I've been trying the, the last uh, 24 hours to memorize the order of a deck of 52 playing cards. Uh, what do you mean, What do you mean the order? It's 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 like ace two three four five six seven eight nine ten jack. Well, no, there. Uh, you know, I don't want to like uh, open the curtain too much because you're not supposed to give away secrets as a magician. Uh, but there's some tricks that require certain orders of cards, and if you memorize that order of cards, um, you know, it, it's a lot of work. A lot of work. <laughs> like, uh, I think Pendulette once said it, that most of the great magic is the magician doing a hundred times more work than you would ever expect a person to do. Um, and th- th- that's really h- how things are done. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I'm trying to memorize a, a specific order of, of, of playing cards to accomplish certain things, which I will not say, because I, I think I probably said too much. I'm probably kicked out of the Magic Castle as, as we, as we speak. So, um, <laughs> yes, but it's extremely hard. That's, that's all I got to say. So if anybody has any tips on memorizing 52 playing cards, please send it to peter at slash film.com. Uh, before we get into the news, I wanted to uh, make a correction. Uh, yesterday, I mentioned offhandedly that The Defenders is probably 10 to 12 episodes. That's what most Netflix TV series are. It's actually only eight. Um, so it's a uh, short, shorter season, which actually makes it uh, gives it less of a reason to have that like kind of um, uh, killing time that it does in the first two episodes. They should have just got right to it. Uh, but yes, anyways, a couple people emailed me, so I wanted to correct that on there. Let's jump into the news. Warner Brothers released a, I want to say deleted scene, but it isn't really a deleted scene. They're calling it a bonus scene for Wonder Woman on uh, online in anticipation of the the home video release. So Lucy Davis, who plays the character of Etta Candy, is one of the main characters in this uh, bonus scene. And um, this was actually, it came about after the movie wrapped 
filming. So Patty Jenkins got the cast of supporting players together to film this extra sequence. And it's basically um, the character of Etta Candy meeting up with Samir, Charlie, and uh, Chief Nappy at the bar that they were in in the movie. And they're basically talking about uh, a new top secret mission that they have where the powers that be want them to find a very old, very powerful artifact uh, and deliver it to the Americans. So we're not exactly sure what that is. This clip, this behind-the-scenes bonus well, clip, uh, is only 30 seconds long. But, uh, Peter, I, I know you have some thoughts on this. Yeah, well, I, I think we do know what it is. I mean, it's, it's kind of like one of those um, almost like a end credit scene in a Marvel movie. And it's weird because Warner Brothers keeps on doing this. They did this for Batman vs Superman, and then they decided not to put it on the movie, and then they released it online the day after the, it came out in theaters with uh, Lex mm-hmm. Luthor uh, and uh, I believe uh, Steppenwolf. Like Steppenwolf, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing with this; they, they they're doing it with here. This should be a scene that played should have been played after the credits, but they don't want to look like they're copying Marvel, so they put it on the Blu-ray, and it looks weird because it's only thirty seconds. But uh, what they're talking about, I think, is Justice League is all about. Um, is is all about Stephen Wolf is trying to get the mother boxes that all are all around the earth. It's kind of like the infinity stones of the DC universe. And yep. I, I think that's what they're talking about here. Yeah, um, it makes sense. But it's just, um, it's just strange that they're taking this approach because they don't want to look like they're copying Marvel guys. Just do the end credit scene. The, like this is just stupid. <laughs> yeah, it can be. I mean, there, there have been plenty of movies that aren't Marvel superhero movies that have done end credits tags since Marvel has sort of repopularized that as a thing. So it's not like there's no really like showing any weakness by doing that. You know, I don't know. It's a weird choice. Yeah. I I think it's just more confusing to do it this way. And especially the way Zack Snyder did it, releasing it the Monday after the opening weekend. It was, it was like, what is going on here? Uh, Next in news, Game of Thrones. Uh, the last season just ended. The final season is is coming up. We we now have some word of when to expect that final season. Brad, what do we know? Uh, it sounds like we're in for a long wait as winter gets closer and closer and closer. Wait, to... wait. Winter is not here yet? I mean, technically, it's n- not, right? Like, oh, Winter has of... come. Winter has well, come. How, many, like, how, a... how many seasons did Hold it take on. for winter wait, to come? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, isn't winter only in, like, part of Westeros right now? I think it's probably fair to say that winter has arrived, because in the finale we saw snow fall on King's Landing, and that's the, I think that's the capital of Westeros. So I think it's probably uh, okay to admit that winter is finally here. Uh, Also, I I just want to mention real quick, if you guys hear any rumbling in the background, apparently people chose right now to start jackhammering outside of my house. I'm going to try to... Uh, minimize that as much as possible by muting when I'm not talking. But if anybody hears any weird noises in the background, apologies for that. You'll just have to stick with us today. Yes. Yeah, it's totally not somebody being murdered at Ben's house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Brad, what do we know about this final season? Well, so we just finished uh, season seven, but of course everybody is wondering when we're going to see the final season. Uh, Game of Thrones is coming to an end. There's supposed to be a six-episode eighth season. Um, however, it sounds like we'll be waiting a while because the episodes may not start airing until 2019. The eighth season is supposed to start shooting in October, but it won't finish until August of 2018 at the latest, which means they likely wouldn't be able to finish episodes until around 2019 for them to start airing. 
at the earliest. By, by so the that, way, that's 10 months to shoot six episodes. That is pretty epic. That's true, but but we have to remember what we heard from the sound designer at Con of Thrones, and that's they are considering making every single episode of the eighth season a feature-length episode, which is basically what we just got for the season finale, which was an 82-minute episode. So essentially we're, you're looking at HBO shooting roughly five or six movies over the span of those ten months, which isn't bad when you think about the fact that you know most studios don't make you know that many movies in a short period of time yeah. with the same cast and crew and all that jazz so well at the very least we might be waiting 16 months for the final season to begin but it could end up being more than that depending on the post-production schedule apparently they haven't finalized the production timeline yet so that could change it could be different it could be sped up but it looks like we'll definitely be waiting a while before game of thrones returns but we also have to remember that this is kind of becoming the new normal when it comes to big cable uh, shows like this. Westworld is taking some extra time between the first and second season. Um, Curb Your Enthusiasm is one of those shows that can come and go as it pleases. There was once like a two-year break between seasons, and then between the eighth and ninth season, it's been uh, six years, I think. So it's been... HBO is kind of just letting their creators do what they want and take as much time as they need to to get the show yeah. right, which is something that is you know fine by me. I just want to impress on you that if this airs later, you know, uh, not in the first few weeks of 2019, this means that you could start right now watching Game of Thrones one episode a week and you would not watch the whole series up until now before the next season airs. You wouldn't or you would? You wouldn't because there's uh, 67 episodes, I think. So you just have to watch a couple episodes every few weeks. I think you'd only watch one because I think that would get you to like February or something, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So. yeah that, I don't know. That's just insane to me. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, ben, you've been writing a lot about Apple's uh, fight <laughs> for uh, against Hollywood over the uh, trying to bring 4K movies to the Apple Television, and it, it now seems like uh, Hollywood is clashing with them over the price. What do we know about this? Yeah, so Apple has been sort of not feuding, but yeah, I guess engaged in a little bit of a battle with Hollywood over a couple different things, one of which was uh, home video rentals and like the shrinking um, uh, release windows as far as home video rentals go. They're trying to uh, get, you know, 30 to $50 home video rentals of like major releases on, uh, in homes a couple weeks after the film's debut in theaters. But this is a separate thing. This is um, Apple is looking to, I think they're going to announce a new 4K capable and like a streaming HDR capable Apple TV coming up on September 12th. And Apple wants to make 4K movies available for purchase through the Apple TV for $19.99. But they are encountering some pushback from the studios who, a few of which want to add a $5 or even a $10 surcharge on top of that. So it makes sense, really, when you sort of step back and look at the business and, and what's going on right now where studios are you know, trying to 
juice as much you know from these profits as they can while they still have a home video market because we're very much in a state of flux right now as far as that goes and they saw what happened when the dvd market sort of tanked so i I don't really blame them for trying to get as much as they can for (laughs) the content that they're putting out um apple of course is more inclined to um offer lower prices because they are in it more for the long term they want to bring more customers in and they think that their profits will rise uh in yeah in the long game basically um but hollywood executives don't always have the foresight to think that way and again with the the devalued dvd market it's hard to blame them there um the whole thing with this really is that the current prices of 4k movies are already around 30 bucks anyway i think um the verge when they wrote about this said that wonder woman is going to be like 35 dollars, but guardians volume 2 is at 29.99 right now so even if the studios get their way in this particular fight there that would mean that apple tv users would just be paying the same price that you know people could currently go out and buy something at Best Buy or Amazon or whatever. So it doesn't really seem like that big of a thing to me. But um, I don't know, Peter, do you, do you you have an Apple TV, right? I have an Apple TV. Am I the only one here that has an Apple TV? No, I, I have an Apple TV. I just don't buy a lot of movies through it. Okay. See, I buy most of my movies through, or not buy, a rent, rather. Um, I, I've realized that renting a movie for three ninety nine and buying a movie for 15 to $20 you know, you need to see the movie, like, what, four or five times to make that worth it? Um, my math is bad. Obviously, my <laughs> my, my skills memorizing stuff is bad, and my math is bad. Um, and usually I don't have enough time now. I mean, back in the day, I used to, you know, watch movies on repeat. And I know, Brad, you do that. You put stuff on in the background. But uh-huh. I just can't do that anymore. I need to, like, be actually watching it. Um, and uh, I, don't, I don't have the time for that. So, uh, so I just rent nowadays. But... Uh, what I'm really wondering is, do you guys have 4K televisions? Because I don't think anybody I know, aside from maybe Jeff Kanata, has a 4K television. I don't, and I wish I did, because I shot some stuff for that New Zealand video that we uh, talked about on yeah. an old episode of this podcast. Um, I shot a lot of that with 4K-capable equipment, and that video looked amazing, just like watching the footage back on my MacBook Pro. But I don't have a TV to, you know, blow it up and keep that same quality. Um, so yeah, I, that's one of the, the, uh, those, uh, I guess like, I don't know what the, what the term would be, but yeah, if I could afford it, I would go for yeah. it. See, I'm skeptical unless you are so far away from your TV. I'm skeptical that your eye can perceive, perceive. I mean, unless you are closer to the television, I, I'm, pers- I'm skeptical if the 4k would matter much right. because you're so far away yeah Easily. it depends a lot on your setup um i'm wondering you know there's been talk for the longest time even when steve jobs was alive of apple creating their own television set and i'm wondering if this has i mean we haven't heard any robin recently so that's maybe not true but i'm wondering if this has something to do with that because if apple were to release a tv set i think it would make sense for them to have something that could own, or you know that would Something that would make sense for it in uh, um, conjunction with it. So if you had a TV set that could play 4K movies and you released 4K movies on this new Apple TV that you could buy and download, something that I don't think is possible with the current um, televisions. You have to buy them on 4K Blu-rays, I think, 
for the most mm. part. Um, I, I think that would be a win for them, but I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to be buying movies for 30 bucks each. I can tell you that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would have to watch a movie how many times to make that worth it? I don't know. <laughs> how many times <laughs> is four going to 30? <laughs> uh, seven? 28? This is riveting. Uh, <laughs> riveting wait, radio. Wait, wait, wait. 20. Oh, seven times. Okay, I thought you were saying let's, 28 let's times. Let's do more was... math. This is so fun. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> uh, anyways, so Brad's going to buy it, and he's going to buy all the movies. Um, Brad. I, I, actually, I actually already have a 4K TV. I just don't have a 4K-capable player or anything like that. So does that help you in any way? Does it up your Blu-rays? No, it's just I, like, I, I bought it at a time when I was looking for a new TV. I figured if I was going to get one, I might as well get one that was going to be 4K capable. And then by the time I get around to wanting slash needing a 4K, you know, uh, format play, player, then I would be prepared for it. But it's I mean, you know, it's just it's a nice TV. And yeah, it was and it was a good price. I think Netflix streams stuff in 4K. Have you had any experience with that? No, I haven't tried to do any of that. Okay. Um, I should say that I, I, I have like a projector and I, I, I think it's like something like 150 inch. It's, it's, it's obnoxiously big. It's, it's like a movie, a small movie screen big. Uh, and, um, it's a 2k projector and obviously I'm screening, I think HD is 1k, right? I think. <laughs> now, now I'm now I'm talking out my butt so, that, about stuff I don't know, but I could benefit from a 4K TV at that large of a presentation. But 4K projectors are still not affordable, or yeah. n- not in the range that TVs have become. Uh, but we should move on. Uh, they have released a Blade Runner 2049 short film that reveals uh, some information about Jared Leto's uh, contribution to the replicant technology of 2036. Brad. You wrote about it for SlashFilm.com. What do we know? Yeah, so what's really cool with uh, leading up to Blade Runner 2049 right now is that there's been a lot of, well, not a lot of, but there's been some marketing um, that has a timeline of things, key events that have happened between 2019 when the original Blade Runner takes place and 2049, which is obviously when Blade Runner 2049 takes place because there's a whole 30-year gap there that we don't really know what happened with Replicants and the Tyrell Corporation and, and all that jazz. So if you, if you go to the official Blade Runner website, they actually have like a timeline that you can scroll through that shows you the various things that happened. And this short is something that was put together uh, by Denny Villeneuve uh, with, in conjunction with a couple other filmmakers <clears throat> uh, to help fill in the gaps a little bit. And so this takes a key moment from 2036, which is uh, when Jared Leto's character, Nyander Wallace, who's this genius scientist, apparently he's blind, seems kind of eccentric, uh, comes into what appears to be the a small governing body or whoever is in control of the prohibition of replicants, which is something that was enacted a few years before 2036. And he comes in with a proposal of a new replicant model that he just so happens to have brought with him, which is the Nexus 9, the next evolution in replicants, which uh, uh, he demonstrates is can be fully controlled by his voice commands. And even though it has uh, free will, given the choice to kill itself or kill Jared Leto, it chooses to kill itself. So whatever problems were previously had with replicants from the Tyrell Corporation, he seems to have figured out how to create human-like 
free will replicants who are still safe to use, which is why we find out in 2049 replicants are still around and they are not prohibited as they were in between that time. This is interesting for a couple reasons. Uh, Number one, Ridley Scott has been doing this for the last few movies that he's done. He did this with Prometheus. They had a TED Talk um, with uh, Guy Pierce's character. They had uh, a short prequel to Alien Covenant. And I know he didn't direct this film. He produced it. But they're doing it with this as well. So it seems like this is something that uh, his production company, Scott Free, is doing a lot with his movies. And what you mentioned there is actually interesting because right now there's kind of a debate going on with self-driving cars. I'm not sure if you guys know this, but self-driving cars are insanely um, safe. Uh, you know, more safe than a human driving. But one of the key issues is if something runs out in front of the car, the cars are programmed to basically, you know, swerve off the road and avoid whatever is coming towards them and at risk to the people inside the car. Mm. So the uh, and that, that's something that a lot of people are debating, like, should it be, you know, be favoring saving something that's in front of the car, you know, outside the car versus in the car? And it, it's interesting that they're kind of tackled that t- tackling that in a different way in this uh, sci fi sequel. Also, uh, just, just as a side note, the short film, this, uh, this is, it's the first of three, and this one was directed by Luke Scott, who is Ridley Scott's son, who directed the sci-fi thriller Morgan. And, and I think one of the other Scots directed the Alien Covenant uh, prequel video. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Okay, anyways, you can find more on all of these stories on slashfilm.com if you want to see the blade runner short film go to slashfilm.com uh you can find ben at ben pierce on twitter you can find brad at ethan underscore anderton on twitter he has a podcast called go flex yourself on itunes you can find me at slash film on twitter uh as always send your questions to the mailbag peter at slashfilm.com leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention on there please go to itunes give us a review especially if you like the show if you don't like the show send me an email tell me why tell me what we could do be be doing better and uh we'll see you tomorrow